Here, I've got a grandchild. Have you? This is surprisingly quick. It's been news. a long time coming. It's an Italian greyhound and whippet mix. My son ah. and daughter-in-law <laughs> got it at the weekend, and it's very okay. cute. And it, I, I believe it has my ears. Poor creature. And by that, I mean they're hairy. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, well, that's lovely. I'm, I th- I'm glad you've got a dog in the family at last. Yes, I know. It's, yeah, it's a very good really thing. Good. I'm glad it's not in my house, that, that's for sure. Right, uh, so uh, welcome everybody. Oh no, that's epi- awful! Don't go with that high energy. <laughs> oh, right. Well, oh, hello, welcome. No, well, no. I was, I was building up to it. No, come on, um, come on. Okay, welcome everybody to episode one hundred and thirty-three. One hundred and thirty-three of your finest <laughs> podcasts, please, and 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 step on it. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, one hundred thirty-three episodes no now i've gone you see that's gone <laughs> welcome everybody to episode 133 of the mid-faith crisis podcast my name is nick page that's joe davis there we go yeah thanks for being with us this week and we hope you have a great week <laughs> see you next time that's how you do an intro <laughs> i think people would be disappointed if it was slick yes they, they certainly would but it is 133 and can i say thank you to everyone because according to my chartable data you oh, you made it, yes you made us the fortieth favourite Christianity podcast in these fair isles fortieth. Yeah. I know. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, yes, that's very good. Yes, I I sent Joe the link to this chartable thing. I didn't expect oh. it to work or for you to do they it. They send me emails. Oh, do they now? Do yeah, you, you obviously that? signed me up. Yeah, that's fine. It's interesting. I mean, it's always worthwhile to see whether we can hit the heights again in Luxembourg. I don't think we can. I think that was a one-off. Yeah, We've probably peaked. You're probably right. Mm. Anyway, how are you, my friend? It's a bit chaotic for you, isn't it? Lots of things happening. There's a lot going on at the moment. There's been chaos. But I'll tell you what was a great moment at the weekend. So it was one of the highest tides of the year. Good time Mm -hmm. to be at Snettersham, those listeners in Norfolk. I know. Do you know what? Have you seen those pictures of the knot? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 140,000 I know. Knot. Well, I was there last year watching them. But yeah, yeah amazing, amazing, incredible. Anyway, um, so, um, but what I did do is I went out, I took myself out on the foreshore and just watched the tide come in for a while. It's so mesmerising. Mm. Um, that was my little spiritual practice and I absolutely love it. I mean, it must sound so boring and dull to people, but watching the tide come in on the foreshore is just one of life's great joys for me i don't know why it's so therapeutic but that's wonderful yeah so that was great and um and also oh, um, oh yeah, i know we shouldn't mention other podcasts on this podcast because obviously we don't want we don't want people making you know number one in luxembourg ahead of no, us not but ahead i of us. i'm a little bit addicted to a new podcast it's called how did we get here have you heard of this with no. Cla- claudia winkleman and dr tanya byron and it's just brilliant. It's fascinating. So it's like a basically Dr. Tanya Byron is a, a clinical psychologist. And so is she a clinical psychologist? Just psychologist. I'm not sure. Anyway, she you basically sit in on one of her sessions and the lovely Claudia Winkleman kind of just sort of interjects and stops the tape and asks her, why did you ask these questions? And, and why did you know to say that? And what does this mean? And Basically, you sort of sit in with someone in therapy and see how they work something. It's absolutely fascinating. Um, yeah, 
So I've been, I've been getting into that. You've been binging it. I've been binging it. My son got a new job, so I'm very happy that he's back in work. Congratulations, Mike. And um, other than that, Richard Osman's House of Games is back on. So you've got to find joy where you can. And uh, Well, are you not sure about that? I can't. I don't get House of Games. I love House of Games. It's terrific. (laughs) It's just great. Answer Smash, come on. No, I just, I'm, I'm pointless. Yes, I get pointless. I like, I like a bit of pointless. Mm. Oh, well, who doesn't? Yeah, yeah it's a good it's point. Incredible. Now, listen, because there's a new program on about books. It's a very Nick Page program on a Friday night. It's called Between the Covers. And Sarah Cox hosts it normally with a load of comedians and they're talking about books and it's a very Nick thing. And obviously they should be reviewing your books. Yeah, that's terrific. What's that on? Yeah. What? BBC Two. Oh, okay. Anyway, how are you? Sorry, enough about me. I've gone on too long. What, went on holiday? Yeah, you went to Germany. Yeah. How was that? How'd that work out? Well, yes, it was fine. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was very nice to see Martha. But we were in Dusseldorf, and I did wonder quite a lot at the time why I was in Dusseldorf. Uh, yeah. Because Martha doesn't even live in Dusseldorf. She lives in Hamburg, so... I don't know why we went to Dusseldorf. <laughs> okay. But we did. We went walking in the park one uh, day and we saw a kingfisher. Oh, well, that's good. In the city centre. Yeah. I couldn't believe that. Well, amazing. that's fabulous. Yeah. That is always exciting to see a kingfisher. Yeah. Never dull. So the holiday was quite tight. I mean, it made me realise that, you know, the, the origin of the word travel in the French word travail, work. Oh, really? It is quite hard work. Yeah. With all the COVID things and forms to fill in and... You know, masks to wear the whole yeah. time and German security being rather over thorough with me, I felt. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, <laughs> Were you inspected? I was... <laughs> we want the detail. I don't know. You know, it was strangely enjoyable. No, I did, I, um, it wasn't that bad, but it just, you know, the whole thing felt like a bit of a, yeah. you know, a, a nice time, but surrounded by two quite difficult bits getting it. Anyway, mm. it was all right. I'm back now. Mm. So good. Good. Well... Wellness update. <laughs> yeah, so, we well, should have a jingle. We should. we should have a jingle for this. We should, shouldn't we? Well, yeah. Wellness update. Very good. Thank you. Okay, if we could, if you could harmonise next time, that'd be great. Yeah. Okay. okay. So, uh... no, try try it again. Try it again. <laughs> okay. Go on then. Wellness update. Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you. That was beautiful. Yeah, it's lovely. Um. Okay. So, <laughs> I saw this film on Netflix. On the Netflix. Um, called The Social Dilemma. Mm. I, I know it's not brand new. Have you have you heard of this film, no. Social Dilemma? Okay, so they interview people who have worked or still work, I'm not sure, with Twitter and Google and Facebook. And basically what's fascinating about this film is how out of control it is, how mm. AI is mm. ruling it. And, also, uh, and so the film brings to the fore why we are so divided as how social media can ultimately create war in country. I mean, it's it's no exaggeration how serious the effects of it is and, and how much work goes in to make you addicted to your mm, phone. Absolutely. Whether it is Facebook or whether it's a game or whether it's... A, they want you to look at your phone because if you look at your phone, they can sell you, sell you things. I mean, it's just frightening. And, of course, the other thing that's fascinating is that None of these people allow their kids social media to go anywhere near. No, it. They no. know how dangerous and damaging it is. So it's a really good it's a really good film and I think, you know, if I had 
teenagers in the house still, I would want to sit down and watch it with them and talk about it. But it's, it's just an incredible film. It's a social dilemma. It's on Netflix. I really commend it to people. Uh, see what you think of it. Well, mm. you, you should uh, show it to your grandchild, obviously. Yes, obviously, I'll be showing the dog. But, I mean, here's why it's under wellness update, because I think, I think you know, you get those little reports every week about how much screen time oh, yeah, you get. And yeah. I, think, I think just getting that down. You know, I've got, I got into some bad habits. Do you, I used to get annoyed a bit with the kids when they would have the TV on and be staring at their phones, and, and now I do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, that's the, <laughs> that's the mass, one of the many inconsistencies in my parenting style. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the, the uh, techniques they use. Uh, all learnt from the gambling industry, aren't they? That's how they, they that work right? it. Yeah, mm. I mean, that's they they, no, they figured so, out yeah. what happened, what what makes people um, press the button again, and all this kind of stuff in, t- in terms of online gambling, and they use the same techniques. Very good book on it, by the way, is a book called uh, Digital Minimalism by Cal Newport, which I've probably mentioned mm. before. Um, and that's got lots of good ideas. So you don't have to come off it completely, but there are loads of ways to control it. So what have you done? What are you, or what are you doing about it? Or are you doing anything about it? No, I am doing something about it. And step number one: don't be don't be watching TV and or playing a game or yes. doing anything. I'm yeah. not going to split my attention like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that, really. Um, yeah, um, I, I think the only other thing I was going to say, which you know, we we had some people round, which was lovely. Don't do that very often nowadays. Who are just talking? You know, a younger couple talking about church again. Just fascinating seeing them. They don't go to church currently. They're massively passionate about the environment, right. which I think we might say something. I mean, it's just interesting. Those conversations go on. And, um, yeah, more people well, that, coming. That is interesting. So the environment is something we wanted to sort of touch on yes, today. Yes, we did. Um, we did. We had a... We, we were reached out to, weren't we? We were, by those lovely people at Nomad. Yes, so I believe that's another Christian podcast. It's hard to imagine there is another one in this country. There is another one, is it? I mean, this isn't a ratings game, but if it were, there, if it were, they're a lot more successful than us. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. It's not a, it's not a competition, Joe. It's a war. No. Oh no. Sorry. No. Anyway, uh, yeah. So, so people from Nomad reached out to us. They've done this thing called Pod March. Yeah fabulous thing where they're really trying to champion the environment they've got lots of people involved and they're basically asking all podcasters look could how would you feel about putting out on your feed or suspending what you do for a week and we're just going to put out this podcast Mm. and everyone's going to get it on all their podcasts um and um and it's a wonderful thing so what we're doing because i think it was is getting it was very long wasn't it Yes, I mean, we basically hours, refused yeah. to do that on the grounds that, we, on, on the grounds that it was an hour and 44 minutes long uh, and very no. different in tone. I, I listened to lots of it and there was hardly yeah, yeah, any yeah. innuendo. I was very disappointed. So we're, yes. so we're not going to flood your feed with that because, uh, you know, that's up to you. But we'll mm. put a link in the show notes to where you can listen to that and you can dip in and out. Yeah. And it has got some really good stuff within it. So it's well Yeah, yeah, it. it's some great people involved. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but we would like to talk a bit more about this, I think, at some stage. So uh, if people have mm. ideas about the environment, things that they're doing, yeah, um, I'd really like to talk a bit more about the, the mm. sort of theological ideas behind it. Because I think, again, sometimes I think we might oh. have chosen the wrong verses to focus on. They're not really moving us. So I've got some ideas about that. But we'll talk about that another time. But also, I, I mean, you know, it's back to that whole thing. I know we're going to talk about church a bit later on. But, you, you know, it's incumbent on every generation to to sort of 
you know, to rediscover what is the gospel and what is the church. And if the church is not saying anything into this mm, massive mm. issue, mm. It, certainly, you know, my kids and their friends, you know, they're not going to be interested in it because this no. is what really matters to them. And if we can't build a really strong theological case behind it, it's very sad indeed. So, uh, yes, do get in touch with your thoughts on, on all that and uh, by all means sort of have a listen to the pod march. But you let us know what you think. Yeah, yeah, do. do. And God bless you wonderful people at uh, Nomad. We do love you, really. Mm. We do. OK, so uh, feedback? Go on then. OK, so uh, first of all, really nice email from Steve. And he says this. Hi, Joe and Nick. Hope all is well with you guys. It is. Thank you. We're coping. He says, I'm enjoying the current series of pods. I'm particularly struck by the thoughts on winter well-being. Now, he says, this is especially pertinent for me this year, as my main way of dispelling the darkness was cruelly taken from me in August when I broke my wrist, attempting to ride along a narrow boardwalk, leading to my front wheel wobbling off the edge and me plunging down headfirst with my left arm outstretched. Ouch. Ouch. Although I'm now tentatively back on the bike, I will not be in a position to repeat such frivolity for some time and will have to stick to short rides down to the shops to buy my four packs of Corona. Now he says, <laughs> good man, what struck me? Healthy. I know. This is very a, health conscious. I know, I know. Riding. I mean, it's good that he's still keeping those energy drinks up. <laughs> That's very good. Yeah, he says, what struck me most, I suppose, is discussion on winter well-being is that a lot of the aspirations would be things we'd be doing anyway. Lists of jobs, mm. lists of places, things to do, which often get put to one side or resented, either because we run out of time or because they seem like chores. So the question seems to be, how do we find joy and hope in the well-being list? So I guess part of the whole well-being thing is developing a positive attitude and commitment to the list and not making it too long. Would value yours and others' thoughts on how we make the well-being last and how we make it differently fulfilling. So I'm thinking uh, three for my list. He says a new to me app for a candlelit evening reflection, a commitment to sit in the sun whenever it comes out and the task of losing the stone I've put on since I can't cycle as a result of all that Corona <laughs> <laughs> plus all the other stuff. And, that, and that's great. I really like that because, yeah, lists can become tedious, burdensome, meaningless, all kinds of things. So how... How do we make our well-being lists um, sort of a pleasure? I think mm. that's the question behind it. Well, I think and fresh as well. I think that's you know mm. I think we had a couple of emails in sort of noting that mm. the things you put on the well-being list, and and this is partly where mm. I've I've sort of come as well. Is a lot of stuff I'm already doing. That is the mm. stuff I do. Mm. So could you do it in a different way? Is one thing. Could you? Mm. Uh, could you do more of something? So the silence mm. thing for me is an attempt to do more of something that I've yeah. been doing for a while. Um, I suppose the other thing is just finding, like as you say, new things, um, uh, fresh mm. things. I was just struck by um, a quote. I can't remember who it's by. It's from. It's from some sportsman or other who's asked, you know, uh, the secret of his success. And he said, well, the secret of my success is that I practice the things I'm not very good at. You mm. know, everybody practices the things they're good at. They mm. like doing that. Mm. But he practices things he's not good at, and so I think part of mm. well-being could be a challenge yeah. in that sense of trying to practice the things that we yeah. find difficult, really. Yeah, and I think also there's something about writing it down and having mm. it somewhere you're actually going to see it, rather than just mm. tucked away in a book or a journal somewhere where you never look. You know, just 
just to have those things up and just to just to review regularly you know this week what am I doing towards each of these things have I done this have I done that not in a kind of beat you up kind of way obviously um but just in that kind of oh yeah I I remembered this is what I was going to do towards my well-being and Mm. here's this week's bit towards it it's a sort of accountability thing as well isn't Mm. it if you share it with someone else Mm. so you know one of the things that Claire and I try and do is swim for each week and um you know i don't really like like well i don't mind swimming it's getting out i don't like it's just so cold so is this in the swimming pool or is this natural swimming is this rivers well uh, no swimming pool no you're not swimming through the rivers of oxfordshire well i do in the summer i like i like wild swimming Mm. in the summer but you know the neighbors get very angry at me and say get out of the pond Uh, (laughs) but you know i think well, making um, ponds are for wildlife, and I like to classify myself that way. No, I, I, I uh, no, it's really Just you know, I think it could be a, you know when the evenings get darker, it yeah. can be a bit hard to kind of do that. Yeah, yeah it is really good for your well-being. Yeah. And so to have someone else say like, you know, let's book it up, let's get, let's go, is is quite good really. The accountability kind of helps. It's not it's not nagging. It's accountability really. Yeah. I mean, it does feel like we've got a responsibility to help each other at this time. I mean, you know, news is generally not that uplifting at the moment, is it? So It's not very good, is we, it? No. How are we going to get our kicks and, you know, all that stuff? Right. Can I move on? Yes, let's, let's move on. OK, so Gail says this, dear Joe and Nick, and she talks a little bit about, you know, that whole issue of whether to stay in a church or whether to leave a church. Mm. And she says, whether mm. to leave or stay has been a subject of discussion within various groups of Christian friends over the years. And I now find myself sadly in the position of feeling I just can't worship God anymore at the church I've been attending, worshipping and serving in various capacities for the last 35 years. Wow. For okay. a number of reasons which won't be helpful to go into here. I'm aware Mm. that the church is more than just the organisation and the structure, that is the community of believers with all our strengths and weaknesses and that we are called not to neglect to meet together as some do, Hebrews 10.25. Which makes me wonder if in some way this Covid malarkey is a wonderful push for us to try (laughs) something new. Because my church, in inverted commas, didn't open until fairly recently. I've been attending since July, a couple of others in the areas, and found surprise, surprise, that they are actually places of hope and boldness and about working around perceived problems despite being very different in style of worship. Also, a friend and I decided, rather than having to subject ourselves to untold pages of risk assessments and box ticking and restrictions, we would just have Bible studies in our houses for the wide circle of Christian friends we have in the area, with a view to it not being exclusive and anyone could join. This has proved a challenge, with rules of six split into two or three groups, with some flexibility and now with current tier two restrictions in our area, outside with garden heaters, umbrellas and thermals. But the interesting thing is that it's proved to be an encouragement to some and not just a crazy thing to do. Back in the 70s and 80s, I was never into the idea of house churches because I was aware that people can go off on tangents. But that can happen anywhere. And I've seen mainstream churches get sidetracked by their particular agendas and having issues with control. Also, I read some time ago about one of the reasons the church has grown in China is because once you have a gathering of 20 people, it becomes a public meeting. So before it got that way, house churches would split and grow. Is that true? She says, it sounds like God working his purposes out. I'm aware of sounding like, well, I don't like the way they do it, so I'll do it my way. 
I think our motives are always mixed. I really do want the church to be the light of the community, showing God in small, personal ways, not the only place-building organisation not fully open and not engaging face-to-face. Anyway, what do you think? Many thanks and keep up the good work. And that's from Gail. Mm. Well, there's quite a lot there. Yeah, I mean, I've been thinking about this recently because mm. I, I discovered, well, two days mm. ago, I discovered that I had to give a talk yesterday. Uh, on what is the church <laughs> a bit of a shock well done uh, you know what is the essence of the church yeah, yeah. forward planning always been yes, one of my exactly. skills um, the China thing is really interesting actually yeah. so firstly the house church is in a sense it's probably the most authentic church in a way you know that's the one in the New Testament it's a house church basically mm. it's a, it's, that's, that's our roots the China one is really interesting because in um in 1960, just before the Cultural Revolution, there were probably about a million Christians in China. And then Mao cr- tried to crush the church, closed yeah. all the buildings, right. clamped down, drove the church underground mm. so it could only meet in, in houses. Mm. When those restrictions were lifted 20 years later, there were 15 to 20 million Christians in China. Mm. It had wow. grown yeah. enormously. Yeah, And it had grown without anything of what we associate with the church in terms of buildings yeah uh, programs evangelism evangelism all that kind of stuff yeah Uh, techniques preaching you know large-scale stuff anything like that it and i think it was because it got stripped down to the absolute essence of what it is to be the church which is the Mm. body of christ which Mm. is you know Mm. that to be christ-like to be incarnational, then, to incarnate yeah. the goodness of God. Yeah, Exactly. I mean, that phrase, the body of Christ, is yeah. really interesting because we think about it as a metaphor. It's a lovely yeah. metaphor. We all play a role. And it's often preached about in terms of we're all playing a different role. Mm. You know, mm. I'm a finger, you're an appendix. Mm, clearly. So we, so we could lose you. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know. I could be cut out at any moment and discarded but, um, by the rest of the body. Indeed. Thanks for opening that wound. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, so that's the way we use that metaphor. But what if it's not really only that? I mean, what if it's much more true than we think? Mm. There's only three times that the, bo- the, the phrase the body of Christ is used, as mm. it were, in the New Testament. One is Jesus' body. You know, mm. one is the mm. physical body of Christ. Mm. One is the bread during mm. communion. Yeah. And one is the church mm. or the gathered group of disciples, you know. And I think that's the truth that we are incarnate. We are, mm, yeah. We are the incarnation of Christ. Yeah. That's what the the essence of church is. That it is, it is how Jesus is still present in this way. Mm. You know, through the church, Jesus is still wandering around the world, stirring up trouble and mm. inviting people in mm. for a meal. Mm. And, and I think we've really missed this yeah. because, partly because we've taken the, the sort of symbolism out. Mm. You know, like um, in the early church, the ba- I think I've talked about this before with the baptism. You, you, if you were going to get baptised, it was a really serious step, obviously, because mm. you're you're joining a sort of underground-ish organisation. But mm. you, you, you come to it, um, you take off all your clothes, which not make Baptist services, mm. <laughs> which is again and perhaps a lot another more interesting. reason. Yeah. <laughs> perhaps another reason why you got thrown out of the Baptist church. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Just want to go back no. to our roots. <laughs> <laughs> 
But you take off all your clothes, you go down in the water, you go under the water, yeah. you come up again, you get given a new set of clothes, and you get anointed. In mm. other words, an, an anointed is mm. what? Greek, Christos, Christ. It means mm. you are becoming Christ. Yeah. You are literally acting it out. Yeah. And then you get invited in to have a meal with him. It's, yeah. yeah. It, 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 I love do, it. do you know what I mean? It's, there's no, something much it. more about acting out the, the role. It's like, um, it's like, you know, those historical reenactment things. You yeah. know, the, the, yeah, yeah. The, the, where people dress up as Vikings yeah. or whatever. Yeah, exactly. and ch- yeah. Or shoot each other. Or, no, <laughs> not if they're Vikings. Anyway, um, I just think if we, th- the church is fundamentally a Jesus reenactment society. You know, yeah. we're all trying to That's kind of. That's a good of, way of putting it. Yeah, I like we're that. We're trying to kind of look like him, act like him, yeah. you know, behave like him in the world. That's yeah. what it's about. Yeah. So, so in that sense, I think leaving church becomes almost sort of secondary in that sense because, you know, what is the church? It's mm. it's not the particular thing that you belong to at that point. It is whether or not you're connected with other believers in some way and being yeah. the essence of Christ. Um, there's a great quote from. Oh, sorry, I preached. I come preaching again. Aren't no, I no, no. You I carry on. Yesterday. No, no, no. It's good. But, I'm enjoying this. But you go for it. Okay, there's a great quote from Rowan Williams, and he says this, What is the church? It's simply those who have been immersed in, soaked in the life of Jesus, and who have been invited to eat with him and to pray to the Father with him. That's lovely. Yeah, That's great, isn't it? Yeah, it is good. Yeah, I can remember that as well. So say it again. Say it again. what, What is the church? It is simply those who have been immersed in, soaked in the life of Jesus, and who have been invited to eat with him and to pray to the Father with him. Love it. And for me, once I kind of really... I mean, I've known this sort of notion for a while, but the idea of really being an imitator of Jesus, really sort of living it out, Mm. I think, again, that sort of changes evangelism, doesn't it? It changes mission. Because we think of evangelism as as, as a a mission about getting people to accept a certain set of ideas. Yeah, exactly. But but I don't think it's about that. I think it's actually about getting them to recognise the kind of life which these ideas make possible. It's about mm. it's about saying this is what yeah. life could look like mm. for you. You know that is why I think the church in China. I mean, another mm. great example: church in Ethiopia yeah. was crushed in 1980 by communism. They closed down one denomination, shut all the churches, and they found out after. A, Ten years when they came out that, that one church had grown from five thousand to fifty thousand people, unable mm. to speak openly, yeah. un- unable to to to, to mm. preach or to do that kind of stuff, but simply reduced to the essence of being Jesus. Mm. And so you know, sorry. No, no, no. I, I mean, I, I kind of, I kind of want to push down a bit further. Is it? Are there just cultural reasons for those things, or are, are they enacting service to the wider? community i mean we can have a conversation about the body of christ you know i I sometimes i want to know does the body of christ include all creation in fact as Mm, well yeah yeah. because that in a sense is an incarnation of the christ as well i think but i love this idea of um you're invited you're invited to the table to eat yes you you know and certainly that was the radical side of the early church wasn't it you had slave owners and slaves Absolutely, and here they were yeah. serving each other and yeah. eating at the same table and men and women and greek and jew and all the rest yes, of it you know yes, like yes. this is extraordinary you know upturn of the kind of you know socio-economic mix you know like everyone belongs here and that surely 
is just as relevant now. You know, you think, and you know, we went to that church in Nottingham and spoke last year, and they were running the food bank and everything. I mean, it's, mm. it's, it's so you know iniquitous that we have to have food banks in this country. I think in some ways, but how wonderful that the church is providing yes, food. Yes. I mean, I guess it would be even nicer if you could say, "Look, come in and eat with us." Um, maybe that's the next step. I don't know, but but you know, I I, I just think that. Something so wonderful happens. I know we always talk about food. It always comes back to food. But something wonderful <laughs> happens when you sit down and eat with people. And we had this couple round, you know, even this week. The whole dynamic was changed because we you came for a meal with us, not yeah. just a meeting, which we could mm. do over Zoom. You know, but, mm. but you come and you eat and you, you enter into our lives. And, you know, I think we are churching in that moment, just mm. to rescue it from being a noun and, and more of a verb. Mm. I think we're churching together. I actually think even in, in a stranger, this podcast is part of churching. Mm. Um, and certainly when we start to interact with listeners and we get emails and, you know, they come and see me and I buy them breakfast on the beach, or better still, they buy me breakfast on the beach. Um, you know, that's church. That is churching. As well as as we bless and serve and care for the vulnerable in our mm. communities, which seems to me to be really living out the Christ way. Well, it's good to see that you're you're exploiting the listeners in that way, because that's obviously <laughs> a key part of church leadership. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exploiting listeners. Hell yeah. First module we get. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think, it, yeah, you're right. You see, the point is, I suppose what I was trying to say is that, you know, we different things appeal to us, different things work for us at different times of our life. I think that we also don't yeah. accept this as... as so much of the way in which we worship is to do with our character, I think, mm. you know, and, and, and particular seasons of life. Mm. Uh, what church always tries to do, falls into the trap of, is, is claims that the, the, the sort of the form is divine in of itself. Yes, you know, the, the, thank you. Yes. Th this is the right way to do it. Yeah. And, you know, because I'm doing it right, you must be. Whereas if we get... As we say, if we get back to the bare essence of being church, which is to be a disciple, which is to be an imitation of Christ, then that takes many forms. It's yeah. not precluding high church or low church or anything no. like that. And people will find different um, resonances yeah. in different times in their life for those things. And I think that's the tr that's true of a lot of mm. mid-faith crisis listeners, isn't it? That they, mm. they've start a lot of us have started in one form of church mm. and moved, you know, a long yeah. way to to other forms but it, it does um, get burdensome doesn't it when a church gets too big because then it is an organization and i don't mean that as a judgment or a bad thing it has to be of course it does yes, you know yes, you, you've yes. got to have rotors and you've who is yes. putting the chairs out this week because if no one puts the chairs out people can't sit on a chair you know it's it's and you know and there's a role for big churches there is a role for them you know i wouldn't want is. to kind of preclude that no either. i think there is you know i don't want to but, do it but god no, bless but, I mean, you if, if you, you do take, if that's say, your calling do it and do if it you take China, if you take China now, it has some of the biggest churches. But mm. interesting, they're under surveillance. So the Chinese state is putting them under more surveillance. Mm. Now, one of the things they're doing there is quite interesting. I was talking to somebody the other day talking about it. They were saying, well, you know, we figure if they're going to put a camera in, we might as well preach to the person behind the camera. It's kind of yeah. like, you know, so they're kind of looking at it as an outreach opportunity. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> so, yeah. And and I think there's, a, as you were asking the question, is the, the growth of those churches, is that cultural or is it yeah. something else? Is it yeah. Christ? I think it's a bit of both. So certainly mm. there's a cultural thing in that mm. one of the ways in some societies that people can, people want to rebel 
is actually by becoming Christian in a society mm. where you're told not to and you're told, you know, it's all yeah. wrong. Actually, in some societies, th- yeah. that is exactly what's happening because because the mm. it, it's a way of, you know, they're, they're attracted yeah. to it simply because the government yeah. is saying no. So there's a there's sort of cultural thing. Mm. But I think far more often it's genuine yeah. Christ-like service in places where, yeah. you know, you would not see it. I mean, I met a guy from Central Asia. I met this guy, mm. and uh, he was a—he'd been a criminal from the mm. age of about sort of six, really. He'd been, mm. and he was in prison in Central Asian country, and um, during when they were having a civil war, and it was awful, and there was no food in the prison, and he—he'd become a Christian in a remarkable way, and he—he um, he and another guy in the prison decided they would just share their rations mm. with people who were dying, basically, wow. and. Yeah. You know, that's what they did. Yeah. And people said, why are you doing this? And they said, because we think it's what Jesus would want us to do. Mm. And, and of that's course, powerful, isn't it? S- yeah. so s- loads of them survived. And when they came out, these people became Christians and then went off to run churches. So, the, the, you know, he, he said, he said, I know so many of the leaders of this my denomination who are who were in prison with me. You know, <laughs> mostly Baptists, I have to say. Yeah, yeah. well, I'm not, there's no surprise there. <laughs> But I do think so. I think it's it's that essence. It, when you strip it down, what is church? It's a group of people trying to, you know, make the life of Jesus visible. Mm. Yeah, great. Well, there you go. So, um, Gail, and you know, all the people who are starting to meet groups and exploring all things, you know, just the the big barometer of how well you're doing is how Christ-like you're being. You mm, know, you, you you know, don't beat yourself up over this, but it, you know, where you're being loving and kind and inclusive, and you're helping the lost and the least, you, you're definitely on the right tracks. Mm. Excellent. Well, thank you for being with us. We should wrap up now. Yeah, you have. You, you've you've preached for far longer. I have. Thank I you. have. I'm sorry no, about that. Great. But I did. No, I did thank speak you. about it yesterday, and you've got a bad shoulder, so you know. I wanted <laughs> really to take. Have, yeah. I wanted to take the burden off you. Thank today, you. In a very real way. You did. <laughs> thank you. Mm, thanks. Mm, mm. Mm. So, uh, <laughs> thank you very much for listening. Yeah. And uh, we'll be back in a week's time, I guess. Well, I I, I think we should be. I think that's our commitment, yeah. isn't it? Really. Well, might as well. It's been going this long. Yeah. Anyway, enjoy the pod march if you listen to it. And uh, we'll see you next week.